as a family, we need to surround Ben and Sarah and walk together. Father, I thank you. Lord, thanks for Lydia House. Thanks for all you're doing here. Thank you, Lord, for Ben and Sarah. Well, good morning again. Okay. So, I was thinking this week, do we have any stalkers here this morning? Not that you want to admit it, but uh, you, a stalker. Do you know what a stalker is? Now, there's, there's good and there's bad. Uh, well, not really. I mean, if you're hunting, it's not bad. Now, the typical connotation for a stalker, yeah, is, is bad. Okay, I got a problem. If I'm a stalker, I'm a pro I am a problem, and I've got a problem. I uh, was listening to Bill Johnson, and he was talking about waiting on the Lord. And uh, he said, uh, you know, we think about waiting, you know, as a passive thing sometimes. Or we think about waiting uh, like I'm waiting on tables, like I'm serving the Lord. But he said, you know, there's also a, there's a meaning that means lying in wait. And I thought, well, mine, my mind went to stalker. But uh, it, it <laughs> you're hunting for the Lord. And I thought of, a, you know, the big cats. If any of you have cats, they will lie and wait for you to just walk by because they're waiting for you. They're in active pursuit of you. We need to be that way with the Lord. We literally need to stalk the Lord. We need to lie and wait for him. So we're always waiting for him as he passes by. If you've ever had a cat, they will pounce on you when you come by. They will reach out and grab you when you walk by. We need to be that way with the Lord, always sensitive to when he's walking by, waiting, searching for him, staying on that path of pursuit, literally stalking the Lord. Yes? If you don't like cats, well, you got a problem. Huh? Somebody said you got a problem. So pursue the Lord in an active manner. Okay. We, uh, do we have any guests here this morning? First-time visitors, second-time visitors, guests. Uh, welcome to Lydia House, if this is your uh, first time. We uh, do have a email sign-up sheet. We uh, send out a note once a week or so just saying what's up, what's happening. It gives links to our websites and such, so feel free to add your name and information on here. We will just uh, not bomb you with stuff, but just uh, provide you with good information. If you guys could pass that back, that would be great. We uh, are starting a men's small group after Lydia House today from 1230 to 130 approximately in the living room. So if that's of interest to you, hang around afterwards. Straight above us is the living room. That's right. That's the living room, right? Okay. So if you're interested, come, hang out with the guys, and uh, let's see what God does in growing that. If that would be that then women can hang out together. Yeah, the women can. Uh, and uh, just find a place to hang out. Okay, um, 
There's a gentleman in need of a place to stay. His name's Grant. I don't know if Grant's here this morning or not. I haven't met Grant yet. Okay. So Grant is in need of a place to stay. Uh, he's uh, going to be in transition here pretty soon, about a week or so, I think, or sooner. And uh, so if that's a possibility, you guys might have a place for someone to stay. Please uh, touch base with Paul. Okay. Please touch base with Paul on that. How many of you know what this is? It's a sign-up sheet. It's so we can eat. So, Anne has put together the sign-up sheet. I think we debuted this last week. It shows that October 27th, November 10th, and November 24th are the upcoming uh, times that we're going to have meals together. But we do need help. We need people for setup and people for cleanup. So this will be over towards the kitchen here. I would pass this, but it might uh, distract people. But uh, please, if you can help, volunteer for the uh, cleanup, setup. We're all volunteering to eat, so uh, if you can do that, we really appreciate it. And Mr. Paul, what you got going this morning? Kids in there? Kids in there? We need we need kids. In there. Almost, but you do. Orisha, you get you call. We'll take you. Anybody back there? We need. Come on, I, I want you here. I'm bored. Snoop them out here. So, Ben's going through a tough time. We all go through tough times. You know, there are really good deals. We're getting them. Ben and Sarah. Thank you, honey. So, what do you say to Ben? You, is there something we could say to him? What do we, what do we know? What to say? How to say? I was going to talk on mentoring this morning, and it just didn't come together, and so I'm very happy I changed it last night, and I'm talking about what to say to the grieving. We just prayed for Ben, and then as people walked back, I hugged Kevin, and I said, way to go. Why do you think I said way to go? Somebody tell me. Got any idea? <laughs> it had to do something with what he did up here. What did he do? Well, maybe he did something bad. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm about to admonish him. <laughs> he, he cried. He had tears in his eyes when he came back. Here's what to say. 
to the grieving? I'm going to surprise you. Nothing. Nothing. The Bible has two strong exhortations when it comes to the grieving. And here they are. Rejoice. Keep, say it. And weep with those who weep. So he obeyed. <laughs> then it says in 1 Corinthians, that's in, in Romans 12, 15. And then Romans 12, verse 15. No, then in 1 Corinthians 12, 26, it says, if one part suffers, we all suffer. If one part rejoices, we all rejoice. So in those two that are the, the pinnacle of how to enter into the affliction of the sorrowing, neither one says anything about saying anything. Now, I will, at the end of this, say something about what we might say, but there's a reason. And so I want to ask you kids, if, if uh, we need Bibles here, if, if you don't have a Bible, there are Bibles around, because we're going to look at the book of Job. And uh, there's a Bible sitting up here. You guys, if you can find Job, look in there. And I'll read it if you don't have a Bible with you. That's okay, because I'm going to read it. Okay, here's my first question. How many animals did Job have? The first one to look it up and count it and tell me how many animals you get the prize. I don't know what it is, but you'll get, you're going to get a prize. So, okay, you're, you're uh, in the land of Uz, there lived a man whose name was Job. This man was blameless and upright. He feared God and Chung. You know? How many total animals did he have? Total, all together. Because he had some donkeys, he had some camels, he had some sheep, he had some um, oxen. What do you say? 11,000. You're right on. You win. <laughs> Let's come up with a prize now. Okay, so he had 11,000. He's a rich man. He's really rich. Anybody here have 11,000 animals? Anybody? You, do you? Oh, my. Congratulations. Wow. How many kids did he have? Ten kids. How many of them were girls? Three girls and twelve, seven boys. That's a total of ten. So he had, okay, he had seven sons and three daughters, and he owned, and then he tells how much, what he owned. So, God is bragging on Job. Can you picture that? Do you think God brags about you? He bragged about Daniel because when the angel came down to speak to Daniel, he said, oh, Daniel, greatly beloved. Now, there's only one way that that angel knew that, that God would have said that, that he's greatly loved, and he said it three times. So God is bragging about Job, and Satan says, yeah, Satan comes against God. You know the story. So God backs off and gives him access to Job. And let's see, 
how long, how, how long his, uh, the, the, uh, how many days it took for the suffering to take hold in his life. So verse 13, one day when Job's sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house. He gets first dibs probably. And so this is the big brother and he's got all his siblings with him. How many are with him? <laughs> You're fast. Okay. A messenger came to Job and said, the oxen were plowing and donkeys were grazing. This is verse 14. Nearby, verse 15, and the Sabaeans attacked and carried them off. They put the servants to the sword, and I'm the only one who has escaped to tell you. So how many animals did he lose at that one? No? Well, he lost the oxen and donkeys. 1,000. Okay, so he lost 1,000 animals and servants. That's a huge loss to lose 1,000 of your 11,000 animals. While he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, the fire of God fell from the sky and burned up the sheep and the servants. And I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. That's the same day. How many animals did he lose? Wow. So how many has he left, lost so far? He lost 7,000, and then he lost another 1,000. So he's lost 8,000 so far. That's 8,000 out of 11,000. And while he was still speaking, this isn't a very good day for Job. While he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, the Chaldeans formed three raiding parties and swept down on your camels and carried them off. They put the servants to the sword. And I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. How many did he lose that day? That day. No, I'm sorry, right now with the Chaldeans. He lost 3,000 camels. Wow. So he's lost all his animals by now, right? And a lot of his servants. Pardon? And a lot of servants. Now, how many servants do you think you'd need if you had 11,000 animals? Boy, to clean up that stuff, you, you're going to have, I would guess he had hundreds. Maybe. Maybe. While he, okay, it's still the same day. While he was still speaking, yet another messenger came. This is the worst news of all. Your sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the older brother's house. We knew that. We knew that it was the older brother. When suddenly a mighty wind swept in from the desert and struck the four corner corners of the house. It collapsed on them and they are dead. And I'm the only one who has escaped to tell you. Okay, parents. If one gets e sick, if one gets ill, that hurts. If one 
dies, it changes your whole life. You're forever scarred. He lost all 10, just like that, after losing 11,000 animals. So what does Job do? He fell to the ground in worship. Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. Here was a righteous man. In all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. That was day one. He won't forget that day. Ten kids and 11,000 animals. So day two comes, and God takes another step back, and Satan gives him what looks like some kind of boils. And Job, you know what Job is doing? He's taking a piece of pottery and scratching himself to try to deal with the misery. And then he lost his wife because what does his wife say? She can't take what's going on. Imagine the grief of this mother. She just lost 10 kids. How does she feel about this? What's going on? And so she, what is You know this story. That's good. Yeah, so she she's at a different place than Job. And, you know, we're, we are at different places. When Karen and I went through our loss, we were at a different place. We respond differently. Ben and Sarah, we were with them on Friday, and we could see that their response to grief is different from one another. So yours will be different from the person sitting next to you or the person close to you, the way you respond to loss. In all this, Job did not sin. So now he's visited by three friends. So here come the friends, and let's see how they do in helping him. What are they going to do? What are they going to say? When Job's three friends, Eliphaz the Temanite and Bildad the Shuite and Zophar the Naamathite, heard about all the troubles that had come upon him, they set out from their homes and met together by agreement to go and sympathize with him and comfort him. Sympathos, sympathy, comes from Latin sympathos. It means to suffer with, to to, to get with somebody and to grieve with them. When they saw him from a distance, they could hardly recognize him. They began to weep aloud. Way to go, guys. And they tore their robes. And why, did they tear, why do you think they tore their robes? Guys got any ideas here? Why do you think they tore their robes? You got any idea, you think? Anybody? Yeah. Angry. Really sad, really angry. Yeah, when when you were real sad, that's what you sometimes did. You tore your robes and you did something else too. Sometimes you poured dust on your head. Then they sat on the ground with him. How long do you think they sat? 
a day? You got it. Listen to how long they sat and said nothing. They sat on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights. No one said a word because they saw how great his suffering was. These are incredible friends. What do you say when someone's grieving? Nothing. They won. There was such a, a comfort, such a place of safety, such Job felt like he could express what was deep down in his heart. And so now he opens his mouth. How sorrowful would a man be if he just lost 10 kids and 11,000 animals? Forget the animals, just 10 kids. How sorrowful would a man be? It would be like it's all over. How could you go on? You just lost 10 right on the one moment. How could you endure that? And so he imagined the, the struggle in his heart. Imagine what, he, what he's going to say. What's going to come out of his mouth? And you brace yourself because you, you've waited for seven days and so finally, okay, here it comes. After this, Job opened his mouth. What, what, do, you, what do you think he's going to say? Are you going to say, good to see you guys? Or thanks for coming? He said, may the day of my birth perish. And the night it was said, a boy is born. That day, may it turn to darkness. May God above not care about it. May no light shine upon it. And he keeps going on about his deep sadness. Unfortunately, when he said these things, it made his friends, what? Pardon? They didn't leave. They, I wish they would have. I wish they would have. What did they do? They stayed and they started giving him answers. They started correcting his theology. They started going after him and saying, no, don't you dare say that. You can't say that. You're, something's wrong with you. Do you know that it's not too difficult to get, to get offended with people who are suffering if you are just quiet and listen? you may find yourself being offended in their sorrow. They may say things that you disagree with, and you may get offended at some reaction inside of you, and you want to correct them. Ooh, that doesn't feel good. So I want to just share a couple phrases, a few phrases that I have heard, some of them I've heard often, in times of sorrow. And I, I prepared this before I knew of, of uh, Ben's grief. So I haven't heard them in this context, but I've heard them in other con sorrowful contexts. And so in our attempt to try to say something, 
Sometimes we say things like, I know just how you feel. I went through it. No, you don't. Proverbs 14.10 says, Each person has his own bitterness, and no one knows his joy. So we don't know how when a person is joyful, how joyful they are. And when they're bitter, we don't know how bitter they are. We don't know. And so we don't want to share what we've gone through as if we might be able to console them by saying we've been through something like it. Now, they, they know. If they know us, they'll know that we went through. And that very knowing will comfort them. And if they want us to, then they may ask us, you went through this, share with me how you cope. Then we can, but we want to share it short. Because my experience on both ends is you don't need a sermon, you don't need a discourse, you don't need a proclamation. You need, you need a presence. Yea, though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. See, God just draws near. Just comes near. And friends just draw near. It's not what they say that's going to make a difference. It's their hugs. It's their tears. Another thing. You know, this is why, oh my, this is why Jesus cried out from the cross, my God, my God, why? Did he get an answer? He didn't get an, he didn't hear an answer. But something happened between that cry and it is finished. And then this enduring term, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. We don't want to try to answer people's questions. When they say why, they're not looking for an answer. Please don't try to give anybody any theology at this time. Don't give them an answer. We don't want to pretend to be God and know why it happened. We don't know and they don't know. This is why I've heard people say, God, that was such a special child that God wanted that child in heaven. Well, then that God's a monster for taking that child. We don't want to turn God into a monster. So we don't, want to, we don't have to attempt to try to say something. Here's, here's one I heard. There's a reason for everything. I heard that when I, I was out in California and, and meeting with a group of college kids. And I was saying, share with me your dreams. And one girl was talking, 18 years old. And she said, my mom tried to commit suicide and I've had to try to be the mother. And I guess there's a reason for everything. And I said, no, there isn't. At least not a good reason. Because we live in a world of spiritual darkness. And Satan gets his blows in. He's not going to win the fight, but he's going to win a couple of rounds. And he won that round. And that, w that should never have happened to you. There's not a good reason for everything. Some reasons are bad. So we don't want to say anything like that. I heard this one a few months ago. After a person shared the trauma that he was going through, or she, can't remember now, he was going through and the loss of a job and then someone said God doesn't give us more than we can bear listen to that statement 
God doesn't give us more than we can bear. First of all, it's not true, and I'll tell you why it's not. And secondly, it turns God into a monster because he, he must have made that thing happen then, is what we're saying. He, he can't, would you say that to Job? Well, Job, God doesn't give us more than we can bear, so bear it. Would you say that with the atrocities of the Holocaust? God doesn't give us more than we can bear. We wouldn't. We'd say it's unbearable. The, the atrocities visited upon humanity are unbearable. The attempt is, I believe, to quote from 1 Corinthians 13, which says he doesn't give us, uh, will not allow us to be suffered above what we're, no, as we enter into temptation. That scripture is about temptation, not enduring suffering. It has, it has nothing to do with suffering. It has everything to do with temptation. So he won't let us be tempted. He won't put us in a situation where it's inevitable for us to sin, is what that scripture is saying. We can get out without sinning, but will we go through things that are humanly unbearable? We may. Some people do. So we, we don't want to say that. How about a scripture? All things work together for good. Great scripture. Timing is everything. We need to give people the time to go through their valley. We need to give them time to walk through. And when they've gone through and they can say, I can see that God is working all things together for good. And when, th when they see it and they can say it and they can believe it, then the timing is right. Eleven days after the worst, the worst shootout that uh, I can remember where 20 children were dead, eleven days after that, a man wrote a poem called The Night Before Christmas and related it to those children. Good poem bad timing. 11 days after is not time to picture them and, and to have this happy feeling. We're commanded to weep with those who weep. When they stop weeping, we'll stop weeping. When someone's rejoicing, we'll rejoice with them. When they stop rejoicing, we'll stop rejoicing. So we're denying ourselves so that we can walk with people through their up times and through their downtimes. That's what the body of Christ needs to do. We do it now with Ben and Sarah. I trust that we do it with you. When we heard about the situations of our, our friends of Oakers, they found a place here where they were free to, to weep. And we hope that you find a place. When you go through dark times, you don't have to hide it. You know, we want to even pray today. After we lost a child at birth, there are people that came up to us because they saw how we were grieving, and they said, your grief is helping us to grieve because we weren't allowed to grieve. We had to get on. They, they were pushed back into life, and they weren't given the freedom to grieve. So maybe there are some tears that haven't been shed yet, some tears that need to be shed tonight. Karen, you come up. And if there are tears that you have to shed today, we'd like to hopefully shed them with you. And we're going to pray after uh, Karen shares about our story of our loss. Yeah. And having a child, too, you know, uh, I 
discussing with Karen uh, just earlier up in the kitchen and, and um, there are different ways that people grieve in different situations. We know that. And um, thank you, Paul, for reminding us. You know, I didn't even say how uh, those are ways we go. There's the first way is nothing. A mic? Nothing. The second way is maybe a little bit. Third way is just love. Love will never yeah. fail. Love never fails. That's because God is love. I love that passage that says, fear is cast out because of God's perfect love. Thank you. Lord, what do you want to say today? <laughs> yes. There's a lot a lot of us could share because nobody is without pain and suffering. And, you know, um, Paul was talking uh, about grief. Some of you young, younger than older, ones uh, that are sitting here, you might wonder what in the world does grief mean? Well, it means everything that we just heard about when we go through the pain and sorrow. And it means different things to different people. Uh, Paul asked me to share a little bit about our story. He, he started to mentioned we, we we had a stillbirth and so we we don't share about this because oh well ben and sarah they lost a, a baby so now we're going to share our story what i said to paul was this we need to address this our worship leader our worship warrior was up here rejoicing the sunday before a couple sundays ago not everyone was maybe here, but we rejoiced with him. And I really felt that the enemy just gave him a blow. Now, we don't know. God allowed this, but we don't, we don't have the answers. And now we do weep with him. And I said, we need to gather together as a worship group to talk about it. And, and not just to say, oh, well, let's go on with life. The picture I got was an earthquake. We're from earthquake country back in California. If we're walking along the way, you've all seen pictures of earthquakes. If you're walking along the way and there's an earthquake that happens in front of your path, what do you do? You don't just, oh, well, okay, well, just go around it. We'll be fine. What's the word that uh, it, it comes to you? Be it, it would be frightening, wouldn't it, right? And, and uh, when we lost our baby, full-term baby, we called him Karsten Elias. 
Karsten means Christian in Norwegian. It, it was devastating. It, it was like the rug was pulled from under me. I, I did. I was in shock, stunned. Uh, I just did not know who the Lord was anymore. I grew up knowing the Lord, and I I did this to the Lord. Don't come any closer. I, I don't I don't know you anymore. Please, um, Jesus, I, I know you must be around here, and I, I know that for a fact. We know things in our minds. We know the verses, but I could not go to the Word and, and read because of the, the sorrow and the grief. I couldn't sing. It wouldn't come out. Uh, even the last uh, couple Sundays here at, at Lydia and and Communitas, I, I had to just stay, be in my room. All that comes back, and I believe it is because our hearts were softened. Now we feel a little bit more with people. We, we had no idea about pain and sorrow and suffering, Paul and I. That's what I'd written down when I journaled a little bit. And I know that Sarah is journaling a lot. We're just thankful that she's having times of quiet. And the only way that the healing came was when, now here in Minnesota, you couldn't do this, but I went to where? What don't you have here? It's like this. And we sang that when the ocean. The songs were wonderful today. Thank you, Ben, for all the songs you chose. And that's the ocean is wonderful, but I, I just thought, I don't know. And this flag was given to me. It has earth colors. You see that? White, green, and brown. In this world, we'll have tribulation. But I have overcome the world. Well, and this is the whole earth waits and is groaning till the, the Lord comes. Well, so they're gold can't see them very well, maybe. Speckled, gold falling through here. But there's also blue, and I believe that's a picture of God's tears. Because I felt, finally, when I was at the ocean, when I saw the waves just come in and out, you know how the ocean does that? We don't have that even at Duluth, do we? little bit of a ocean feeling but the vastness of the ocean we see that sometimes in the mountains too Lord you think of the world and the solar system the stars okay Lord I don't understand you the Holy Spirit I heard the Holy Spirit saying, could I come and comfort you? And I have been doing this. And I said to the Lord, okay, well, I'll give you just a little crack, a little crack of my heart. 
you can try. That was enough. That was enough for the Lord. And that's why I love this flag so much. You know, it's just a picture of the mystery of the Holy Spirit. The mystery of the Lord, we don't understand all the answers. But I could finally, took me months. And uh, to be able to get back into the word. And instead, during that meanwhile, I was, I was feeling those words of condemnation. Why, 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 Lord? What did I do? What did I say? Is there anything from my past? I thought I'd been forgiven about everything. Um, condemnation, abandonment, rejection. And was that hard for the Lord to, to hear that? Was it hard for God to hear any of my questions? No. God knows how to speak to us and encourage our hearts when we have uh, when we have felt like we've lost hope. Uh, scriptures like Romans five came back to me. Suffering produces what? Durance. Of course, in the midst of sorrow, you're not wanting to hear that so much, but later on I was hearing that. And character and hope doesn't disappoint us because his love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. So thank you, Lord. You are so good, good to us. When peace like a river, we sing songs like that, and when I was feeling that my soul uh, was not well, you did bring back that comfort. And when I sang songs like, this world is not my home, I'm just passing through. Father, you helped us, you helped me to feel closer to heaven. Uh, you did help me finally to know that you were trying to comfort me. When finally I was able to say, okay, Lord, I'm going to trust you again. I'm looking into your face. And our baby that was due then eight months, uh, let's see, actually about a year and a half later, was due on my birthday. Lord, you were saying, I love you. Please receive my love again. And I said, yes, yes, Lord. And even though my husband went through the grieving in a different way than I did, because women's hormones are so strong, needing to be and wanting to be the mother. Thank you, Father, that you gave us more of an intercessor's heart, more, more in discerning of pain and having more compassion. Thank you, Father, that you allowed us to uh, know about your tears for us and also that you 
kept those tears. So today, Father, I pray that all of us would be able to give those tears and any pain and tears that we have not given to the Lord yet, tears that we might have just suppressed or kept way down, give those tears we give those tears to you, Father, who can keep them in your bottle. As your word says, you will take care of that better than us. Holy Spirit, rain down with your comfort. And uh, Lord, for that song I was singing that we sing sometimes at Christmas time, Fear not, I am with you. Oh, be not dismayed, for I am thy God, and will still give thee aid. I'll strengthen thee, help thee, and cause thee to stand, upheld by my righteous, omnipotent hand. Upheld by my righteous, omnipotent hand. Upheld by my righteous, omnipotent hand. That means hand, your hand that never changes. That is there. You're almighty, all-powerful, all-knowing. We, we cannot even comprehend what all that means. But, Lord, you're the one that takes our hearts, holds our hearts in your hands. Thank you, Father. You're so good to us. And even though we might have scars, you bring that healing balm and you bring that whatever needs to be done there, like a, like a surgeon would be able to take care of a wound. You don't say, oh, and we don't hear from others, oh, it's going to be fine, it's going to be fine. Lord, we say yes to your healing, your comforting, your surgery, that kind of surgery that will take what needs to be mended and soothed. Thank you, Lord. You will, you will make rivers flow on the barren heights and springs in the valleys. And as I had read the day that I heard about Ben and Sarah, it was in my devotional from Lamentations. Arise, cry out in the night as the watches of the night begin. Pour out your heart like river, like water. In the presence of the Lord, my eyes fail from weeping. I am in torment within. I said, Lord, Lord, what? And we had to just stand and say, Lord, though sometimes darkness darkness seems to hide your face we're going to rest on your unchanging grace in every high and stormy gale thank you father our anchor is with you thank you thank you thank you lord you're in charge we look to you father let's stand together still tender and I hear about it even now you know 
we've grieved, but it's still, still tender. I shed a few tears just hearing her talk about it. We're grateful. You know, Job was grateful. Kids, I want you to uh, tell me before the end of the time here how many animals he ended up with. I want you to tell me how many kids he ended up with. So you, f you find out before you leave here today, and you let me know, okay? I wanted to uh, say then, if you're talking about that, Paul, uh, when I said uh, our Erica was born after Karsten, and she named her son's middle name Karsten, and then we have Karsten uh, spelled differently, but my niece is here, her uh, Paul's uh, niece, named her that and God knows how to speak to each of our lives in specific ways to say let me into your heart because I'm going to bless you and uh, we, we did go on uh, you know, to have other children of, of those that know us but there are <coughs> still times with other people's um, sorrows or e even what's happening in the world, like when the tsunami came, or when uh, in Japan, and uh, it was hard for me to think about loving the ocean again. Or when Gabriel, our son, went to Iraq, I, the enemy said, I felt him saying, whoa, you could lose another son, you know. And I had to just say, well, God is in charge. God is in charge. And I was able to be strong then, but I, I did, you know, just uh, keep having to keep hold on to Psalm 91, as as you know what that one says about protection. Okay. And the last thing I'll say is that he called from Iraq and said, "I'm coming home." Oh, good. And guess what day he said he was going to come home, Larissa? You would know. What day do you think Gabriel came back from Iraq? Oh. Yes. <laughs> On my birthday, and I said to him on the phone, ah, "Well, how did you do that?" He said, "What do you mean? How did I do that?" I, you know, we don't do anything like that in the military. <laughs> it was God speaking again, saying, "Listen up, I'm in charge." So, um, thank you, Father. What we want to do is we want to give opportunity for people if there are those that need to grieve. We had an altar call once at Trinity where we invited people to come forward that just needed a hug, and I didn't know if it was going to happen because we said, you don't have to say anything. Just come up and get a hug. And I thought, is this going to work? We were done an hour and a half later. The first person to come up was the associate pastor who was, was grieving because he had a father wound. He cried for 25 minutes. He didn't, have pr he didn't receive prayer. He received a hug. 25 minutes. I timed it because I saw this is incredible. He was, he was receiving what he needed, silent love. So I'm going to ask some of you who, who do prayer ministry up here, some of you who are regulars with us, to come up and just stand up here. We want to we wanna get uh, several people up here, and we're offering hugs this morning. And if there are people that need to cry, if there, for any reason, if there's sorrow in your life, if there are things that you have not wept over and you need, uh, you need a chance to, to weep, 
Oh, we could use another uh, another uh, a couple moms up here. Do you want to say something? Yeah, I was just gonna encourage everyone. You know, I don't know if this is the tendency for any of you guys, but to try to kind of be heroic in your grief. I think that's what I tried to do during the worship here just now and just kind of failed miserably ahead you know um it's it's okay if you're really struggling mm -hmm. so i just wanted to david knew how to do that yeah so that's just what i want to say forward if you desire prayer or hug, pray with someone near you, you're welcome to do that, <coughs> whatever you feel led to do.
And this is Karen Peterson that I uh, referred to who had lost, Karen, uh, Karen and Carl lost her, oh. yes, Peters, uh, 40 years, she was a 40-year-old well, daughter. Well, it was a totally different kind of situation, so the, <laughs> the grief is totally different. Yes. But she was 40 years, 40 years old, and it was a really horrendous accident. She fell about 1,600 feet skiing. And um, as a, I guess, there I'm not going to go into the whole story, but I, I guess I would like to be here for the women, because, like you mentioned, a mother. <laughs> there's nothing that. There's n nothing that you can really say about that. It's totally different for men than it is for women, and. Um, I know in my own case, I was feeling a total failure as a mom. And the Lord brought comfort and explanation and understanding. And so I know it'll be totally different for Sarah than for myself, but I still think there's a common element of comfort there. And so I, I just want to, I just want to express to Sarah that um, God God will, will come and be faithful in the way that she needs. It won't be the same as for myself, but I know that he will be faithful to um, minister to her, and that's my prayer. And so um, 